the best, 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 best of Cresta in the Afternoon countdown. Number 27. Cardinal Pell, you may know, was the Archbishop of Melbourne, uh, the Archbishop of Sydney. He was made a cardinal by John Paul II back in 2003. And then Pope Francis uh, made him uh, what they call secretariat for the economy uh, in Rome, where he was about to handle the budget for the Vatican and for the Holy See. And he was especially charged with making sure there was no financial corruption. The the Vatican Bank has had a a long history, over a generation now anyways, of uh, controversy. And he was charged to take care of this problem. Unfortunately, once he got started, charges came in from Australia. He was accused of having engaged in some act uh, of abuse towards two minors. Uh, And it was stunning. I mean, this is a man who I knew, respected, knew something about his history. Well, he left the Secretariat for the Economy in 2017 to face these very questionable charges. Eventually, the first jury acquitted him 10 to 2, but it was a hung jury, so they had to retry. They did retry, and he was convicted, 12-zip. He appealed it, and then he won a very handy and very clear appeal, but only after he had spent over 400 days in prison. We're going to take time to talk about that experience with Cardinal Pell. And again, sit in, enjoy the conversation. We're setting aside the news this hour so I can get right to yesterday's conversation with Cardinal George Pell. I just want to say it's a great pleasure to have you with me today, uh, Cardinal, your eminence. I don't know what it must have been like for you. You had the reputation, in fact, of being a a real pioneer in the... uh, the Melbourne response that you developed to handle abuse, and then all of a sudden to have the tables turned and be uh, falsely accused like this. Uh, had you anticipated ever having to face that kind of problem? No, no, obviously uh, I hadn't. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the Melbourne response. While it might be imperfect, it helped hundreds of people. Uh, we started it in '96. And actually, ironically, uh, we published, publicized uh, this establishment just a few months before the alleged attacks. There was information out in every Catholic institution in in Melbourne warning against uh, this sort of thing. Um, It was a bizarre accusation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our mutual friend George Weigel and I have talked about this, and George has published uh, some very solid material uh, supporting you uh, through this. But as I understand it, the prosecution's case rested entirely on the credibility of the complainant. Um, and I think th- this is eventually what uh, led uh to the Australian High Court uh, overturning the earlier verdict. Was it really that, was it really that weak a case? That it well, re- yes, <laughs> yes, it was. It, it was. Yeah. Um, I 
had uh, two people who gave me full alibis and two more who gave me uh, alibis for the time in which the crime was supposed to be committed. So I said rhetorically, how many allies do you, alibis do you want? <laughs> uh, uh, there was my master of ceremonies and the sacristan who pointed out that uh, they were uh, with me uh, all the time. I think there were 24 witnesses called. Not one uh, supported the uh, the case of the prosecution. It was um, really uh, very, very strange. Did, um, I mean, there was kind of a lynch mob mentality uh, from what I could pick up there. Do you think there was any collusion on the part of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation and the uh, Victoria Police? Uh, you know, to t- I, I don't know. I, I think a number uh, of uh, people were convinced I was guilty, whether uh, they got together one or two people to collude and invent something. Um, the story of my accusation accusations uh, runs in parallel with uh, a Billy Doe set of accusations, I think from Philadelphia, which were shown to be uh, false. That might be uh, a strange coincidence. Hmm. The uh, complainant, uh, uh, a number of things were odd. He changed his story 24 times. Uh, some commentators claim he was coached uh, on the way through. Uh, I don't think he wanted the case to go ahead, and certainly we have written evidence that he did not want the retrial I see. Uh, to go ahead. So it was uh, bizarre under uh, many heads. Uh, I've uh, Just perhaps one other thought. Quite a number of uh, the establishment in Australia have rarely ever been in a church, and so they've got no idea what a big cathedral is like after a Sunday Mass. <laughs> right. There are hundreds of people at the Mass, 50 men and boys in the choir, 15 uh, or so uh, servers, uh, sacristans, money counters, uh, people thronging around, a very, very solemn uh, business, a uh, high Mass on the Sunday morning, the main Mass, and the idea that in the middle of all this, uh, yep. a fairly newly uh, appointed bishop would uh, race off and rape two young people who he didn't know yeah. is, um, is... Let me... Uh, I guess I, I have to ask the question. Um, I mean, you, you had to have thought, what was this uh, person's motivation... Uh, was there, there were reports that there was mental illness uh, in this story. Uh, was that what we were looking at here? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, it's very interesting. In, according to Australian legis- or Victorian legislation under which I was judged, in cases of uh, pedophilia, uh, you cannot uh, present uh, the medical evidence uh, about the person who is accusing, wow. uh, nor a possible uh, uh, evidence about difficulties with the police. So uh, 
It, uh, I only saw the, the gentleman uh, uh, by television. He was screened in. He wasn't physically present uh, in the court. It was obvious that he'd had a deal of suffering in his life, mm-hmm. and there's no doubt uh, about it. He had, um, I think, had used, been using drugs uh, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly had had uh, uh, bouts of uh, trouble uh, in hospital. He was um, um, uh, uh, rather, uh, I don't want to exaggerate that, because he was described as a very credible uh, witness, but um, I thought he, he was a man who was uh, damaged. And I don't know how much of his story is fantasy, right? whether something happened to him somewhere else and he transferred that uh, to me. I don't know how much of it uh, is fiction, but he was persistent and resourceful. As I said, he, he changed his story 24 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it sounds to me like this could have been settled. You had a jury trial, right? Were were you unable to ask for a bench trial? Uh, yeah, no, that's not possible in Victoria. I see. Okay, it's the only state in Australia where I could not have asked for trial by a judge alone. Okay. And given the way public opinion was so poisoned uh, against the church. And uh, probably against me. Sure. Uh, yeah, a lot of good uh, people have said it was would have been very, very difficult uh, for me in any circumstances yeah. uh, to get a not guilty verdict. The intuition gossip, the information is that we got uh, there was ten two for okay. a guilty verdict in the. Uh, we can't be sure that that is. I'd have to imagine, given how absurd the allegations were, you probably had plenty of time to think with the prophet Habakkuk and say, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me endure this injustice? I can only imagine you had plenty of opportunity to ask Christ, what was going on here? I did, I did, I did. But uh, for a long time in my life as a priest, when people come to me in trouble, uh, one of the things I used to say to them, because I had found it useful, uh, they responded to it, was to say, well, now Jesus, when he was alive, he didn't get an easy run either. He had a succession (laughs) of problems uh, terribly. So having said that to others, I had to apply it to, to myself. Yeah. Uh, I never felt uh, uh, God wasn't there, but uh, for a good deal of the time, I didn't quite know uh, what he was up to. <laughs> I'm sure. How, uh... But, but, but life, life is very strange. In one of the, uh, uh, perhaps it's the scriptures, no, it wasn't one of a commentary talking about Joseph in the Old Testament, when his brother, his brother killed him. Yes. That was the, probably the most useful thing they could have done to him, given his subsequent career that's right. as a high official uh, in Egypt, which he was able to help them. That's right. And, um, I mean, if I hadn't been in jail, I think it's highly unlikely I would be 
being interviewed by you just at the moment. Yeah, well, that's that's true. <laughs> that's true. You've published. Uh, you're going to publish another uh, collection of your prison journals. Um, there are two volumes out now. Did you write regularly while you were in prison? I wrote every night. I did uh, approximately three pages. Okay. Of handwritten. I did it all, but I didn't have a typewriter. I, actually, I'm a very, very poor typist. Okay. I thought I'd be in for three or four months, and there were two or three pages a day that would give me one volume of 250, 300 printed pages. Uh, but that wasn't to be, so I finished up with three volumes. <laughs> yeah. And Father Fessio in the Ignatius, I had suggested uh, publishing um, a selection uh, of the, the diaries, way in one volume, and no, he, uh, he decided to go uh, uh, with, with the whole three volumes. Yeah. So the, the second one is out in English, and the first volume has just appeared uh, in Italian, and is coming out these days in German. Oh, very good. What were prison conditions like for you? How, were you in solitary confinement? Did were you able? To... I was in solitary confinement. Yes. Okay. Small cell, about eight meters long, two and a half meters wide, but I had a uh, a decent bed. Okay. Firm base. Uh, the mattress wasn't too thick, but it was quite comfortable. Um, I had a hot shower, which is wow. important for us in Australia, as it is in the States. Yeah. Uh, and uh, said so it was like a very worldly retreat because I had my own kettle to make a cup of tea or coffee. And uh, I had a television in which I could access uh, four of the uh, main uh, channels. The biggest surprise for me was that overwhelmingly the uh, uh, the war the, the warders um, the prison staff were decent huh good uh, fair and reasonable one or two of them were less sympathetic than others but uh, such is life everywhere but um, my life would have been very very different if uh, they had been regularly hostile or totally uncommunicative, right. and they weren't. I think they treated the other prisoners, as far as I could hear, uh, decently also. Okay, very good. How is the Catholic Church regarded in Australia generally? Is is there is it highly well, respected? Is it hostile? What's the attitude, general attitude? Well, I think it varies a bit from state to state. Okay. Um, our percentage is almost exactly like that of the United States. We're up a little bit lower. We've been traditionally one quarter of the population. Okay. We're now 22%. Um, we don't have as many Hispanics. Uh, we don't have uh, many German, Australian German Catholics. Um, there's always been an undercurrent uh, of uh, opposition, even hostility, uh, and uh, that was exacerbated by two things, by the pedophilia scandal. Mm -hmm. uh, good people were genuinely surprised by the scale of the abuse and by the sometimes poor 
way in which it was handled by the bishops, sure. especially until the mid-90s. From the mid-90s, from the early 90s, as in, I think, in the United States, but we broke the back of the problem. We haven't had uh, evidence of many uh, convictions for offences since that uh, time. Uh, the other issue uh, which uh, poisons the atmosphere, of course, is the so-called culture wars on life, uh, family, marriage, right. sexuality, gender, in which uh, we uh, Catholics are the main supporters of the traditional Judeo-Christian way of life, which is embedded in our laws. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so people get very cross with the church uh, for that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a number of people, apparently it was said in the court when I was convicted by the watchers, people who had attended, uh, yes, well, he might be innocent. And some would even say, yes, this is hostile people. He probably is innocent, but it's quite appropriate for the church to take a hit. <laughs> he, uh, the church needs to be punished. Wow. And uh, he's, uh, you know, a prominent figure from the past, and uh, he'll do for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. The interview with Cardinal George Pell. The best, 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 best of Creston in the Afternoon Countdown. Number 27. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. I'm continuing uh, sharing the interview I did yesterday with Cardinal George Pell. We were discussing his trial, and uh, I wanted to ask him about the perception of the sex abuse scandal there in Australia. Let's listen. I'm curious. I assume that in Australia, similar to the in the United States, that the vast majority of cases of sexual abuse of minors were old. I mean, they were 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. And yet the public in the United States that, continued to think that somehow this was still going on today. That was exactly the same, uh, exactly the same with us. There was a royal commission, which is a, big, a little bit like a grand jury investigation, mm -hmm. went on for years all around Australia. Overwhelmingly, the council assisting the royal commission acknowledged that the dramatic drop in the uh, number of uh, crimes from the 90s, they were unable to connect that with the establishment of the Melbourne response or the towards healing uh, response. Okay. Uh, many of the incidents, not all, but many of the incidents which were uh, discussed in the uh, Royal Commission had been in the press three, four, five times before. Okay. So in Catholic institutions around Australia, most dioceses would not have had a conviction this century. Wow. Uh, most Catholic institutions... Uh, uh, since the year uh, 2000. So uh, I suspect we run in parallel. I don't exactly know what the situation in the States is, yeah. uh, but uh, I think it, it, we're pretty much in parallel. Yep. You discuss a message that was sent to you from Our Lady through the visionary uh, Christine Gallagher 
she wrote that Our Lady had told her that the reason the power of darkness overshadowed you with false accusations was the work you had been doing to correct financial wrongdoing and sexual misbehavior in the Vatican. How do you receive that kind of message? Uh, well, with some skepticism, okay. but I believe in the uh, possibility uh, of such uh, direct messages uh, from uh, uh, the good God. Uh, I, I believe in the supernatural. Okay. I uh, don't uh, deny it. Uh, uh, like I think uh, the role of a bishop is to try to discern yeah. as to whether these are genuine voices uh, or not. Um, I know that this uh, seer is highly respected. I know that her bishop is a bit uh, skeptical about her. Okay. I reserve my judgment, sure. but I respect uh, uh, what was said. Um, it's quite logical. Uh, and uh, if that's the way it is, has uh, worked out, uh, so be it. But uh, I certainly don't uh, dismiss it, but I'm not in a position uh, to endorse it as uh, an accurate uh, divine message. Sure. Uh, how did uh, St. Thomas More serve as a guide for you during your prison stay? Uh, he was a great help, uh, I admired him I, uh, as a bishop. I have uh, spoken publicly on John Fisher and lamented the fact that Thomas More, the layman, got a, a much better uh, publicity <laughs> than Fisher the bishop. Uh, it must be said he's a more interesting character. Uh, he wrote more uh, than, uh, than Fisher did. Um, I was consoled in many ways. Um, one was a big difference. Not one member of Moore's family supported his stand. Oh. They all thought that he was throwing away a useful, um, pleasant life for some theological oddity mm -hmm. as to just who was head of the church, the Pope or Henry. That wasn't my... Uh, situation. I was wonderfully supported by my family, by my friends, uh, by Pope Benedict, Pope Francis, the Archbishop of Sydney and Melbourne. Good. I was very lucky. Yeah. The second thing that uh, encouraged me was that Moore used all his legal acumen, uh, every uh, possibility that he could to defend his position. And uh, I felt, uh, I've often said uh, to people over the years that God has got no hands but ours. And uh, I felt that not just in uh, deference to myself, but for the reputation of the church, that I too had uh, an obligation to use uh, all available sources. Uh, everything, about, uh, that, uh, that every argument, piece of evidence that I could Sure. to establish that I was uh, innocent. And then I think the story that the complainant eventually created, he created an alibi for himself so that it was impossible for him to be in the procession, as he claimed, and simultaneously be in the sacristy uh, being uh, assaulted. Yeah. Not even a credible 
uh, witness can be in two places at once. <laughs> Let me ask, I'm, I'm interested in your opinion, in your evaluation of what you see going on in Germany now, where a season, it appears to be a sizable percentage of the bishops are uh, committed to uh, some expression of blessing for same-sex unions or other bonds of affection. Do you see the possibility of schism there? I don't think it's likely, Okay. because I think if people break away, they would not have access to the church taxes, <laughs> at least uh, yeah. uh, a cynical initial uh, remark. But I hope schism is not an eventuality. But I think the German church, I'm not talking just about uh, the 200 theologians, but the church stands at a crossroads. They have to decide whether they are the servants and offenders of the apostolic tradition, of revelation of the word of God, or whether they believe they are its masters Hmm. and that they can change it. So I don't know whether abortion and euthanasia are on the table, but they do want to change the Christian teaching on uh, sexual activity outside heterosexual uh, marriage by blessing sexual unions. They do want to change uh, Christ's teaching on adultery and remarriage. They do want to change Paul's teaching on the uh, conditions necessary for the reception of communion. And some of them do want to admit women into the ministerial priesthood. So uh, now all of these are against the apostolic tradition. It, uh, you cannot, it ca- they cannot uh, be done. Right. Um, so my position is that I don't believe we can have uh, a different German set of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> um, no. Uh, I don't believe we can have... Um, a German order of uh, women priests. Right. Uh, the overwhelming majority of uh, uh, the other churches uh, will certainly not uh, accept that. And uh, if they persisted in trying to formalize this, uh, uh, the Holy See obviously would have to uh, uh, do something. And we are the bishops because we're uh, through our vocation, we're certainly concerned primarily with our own diocese, mm-hmm. but we do have a, an eye and a mind for the universal church. Yeah. In the United States right now, there's a lot of discussion uh, of whether uh, President Biden should present himself for Holy Communion, given his championing of uh, abortion policy. Is this something that you would in your own experience, would you think it helpful for there to be a public statement made uh, that those who are public officials who are supporters and even champions of abortion, that they should not present themselves for Holy Communion? Well, I'm reluctant to comment, uh, uh, well, only to a certain uh, uh, level uh, directly, uh, on these matters, but uh, what is good for the, good for the goose is good for the gander. I have said something on uh, uh, Germany, and um, as an outsider, somebody who uh, 
admires the Catholic Church in the, the United States. Uh, uh, I would think, uh, I would have no problem with a public statement uh, by uh, urging people in that situation uh, not to present themselves yeah. for communion. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out here in the United States. Uh, we, we really don't know if it will actually be on the agenda for the June meeting or the later fall meeting. Are you, um, you're in Rome now. Are you living there? Yes, yes. I will go home to Australia for the northern summer, but uh, I've been in Rome since October. Are you carrying out uh, responsibilities there? Are you... Uh, no, I've no... I'm, you don't have uh, any appointment. I, no, no, I'm uh, well and truly retired. Hang on. Just about to turn uh, 80, so... Uh, wow. I do a little bit of work like this, uh, talking on the radio and in television, doing a bit of uh, writing. Uh, uh, so I'm, I keep myself not busy, but occupied a deal of the time. And um, I've got a good circle of uh, friends and interests here uh, in, in Italy. And um, I have a nice uh, flat or apartment so that I'm, I'm very blessed. Let me thank you for taking the time uh, to be with me and my listeners today, uh, Your Eminence. Uh, greatly appreciate it. have greatly appreciated your ministry and have followed uh, your travails uh, over the last few years. And uh, you've done us proud in your handling of it. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Thank you for those kind words of encouragement and all the best with your important work. It's very important to spread to spread the good news, and good news it is. Well, thank you, Your Eminence. Could you give thank us a you. blessing while I've got you here? May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you, Al, all at uh, Ave Maria Radio, and all your many, many thousands of listeners across the United States. Thank you, Your um, Eminence. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again to Cardinal Pell, and uh, you can hear the whole interview again at the Cresta Guest Archives at AveMariaRadio.net or by finding Cresta in the Afternoon wherever you get your podcasts.